Anxiety, as described <laughs> or defined in the dictionary, experiencing worry, unease, or nervousness, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Um, anybody anxious in those 49 seconds? Yeah, just a little bit. My, my wife, uh, if we could get the AED from the back and resuscitate her because I feel like she just had a heart attack. Um, worry, unease, nervousness. I mean, I mean, worry, what were you worried about? What was I going to do? What were you, I, my, my wife's like, you have no idea. A little bit of unease just because silence is, is awkward, right? Especially when somebody comes up to speak. Um, I, see, uh, I see my two boys. Where's my daughter? Is she still in here? Did she go to the second? She's going to be in the second one. But uh, you guys were nervous, right? I could see Kyler kind of looking down over his eyebrows. Dad, what are you doing? Um, I got to break the ice a little bit. Uh, I, get, I still get nervous coming up here. Um, more nervous than a Baptist at the wine aisle at Walmart. Um, why is that funny? <laughs> what are the things we get anxious about? What do we, in, as Christians, as followers of Christ, and, and not Christians in name only, not I, I claim a Christianity, I, I, my parents were Christians, I go to a church, but, but, but if we claim to be followers of Christ... We still get anxious, do we not? Our country? Your health? Our families? Uh, nobody's anxious about finances, right? Everybody's good. Safety? Uh, I, get, uh, I fly a lot, um, and uh, I still, when I take off, as the plane's pulling off, I'm like, hey, God, just take care of my family. If, if, if this flight is a flight to home. And uh, it still makes me a little bit nervous, right? Especially you hear doors just popping off planes. Um, <laughs> not something gives you warm fuzzies when you're uh, about to step on one. Uh, any anxiety about our children? As parents, do we not maybe get anxious about their salvation, their relationship with God, right? Our homes, businesses, jobs, um, Today is actually the one-year anniversary that, that we opened Small Cakes, and you talk about some anxiety. Boy, trying to, trying to open a business if you've never done it, a little bit anxious, right? Um, is, let me ask you a question, though. Is, is anybody really anxious, and this is a poll, this is a raise your hand, is anybody really anxious about the next 40 minutes in here? Mindy, put your, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what about this afternoon? Anybody anxious about, I mean, you're really anxious about the rest of the day. Let's go all the way into the evening. Maybe there's home groups. Anybody, anybody a little bit anxious about that? Not really. No? Maybe a, a fair... But, but not really, right? How about tomorrow? How about something within the week? Right? The, the hands, if we start to go further out, the, the, the hands will, will start to come up, right? Um, Scott was asking what this is up here for. If you know me, if you've uh, been in, uh, well, none of you have been in Forge because they're all fourth and fifth graders. If you've been in an admin team meeting with me or I, I like a whiteboard and we don't have one up here, so I just made one, right? I was just going to use this, but you guys in the back can't see it. Uh, so this is where we are 
right now today, right? That's literally today. Then there's this period of time, and at some point, we have an end, right? Somebody tell me, DJ, what's after that end? Yeah, eternity, right? Heaven, hopefully, right? Yeah. I'll talk to you later about that. You can know for sure. (laughs) We don't spend too much time anxious here. I would hope we're not anxious about eternity, right? Like, Like, that's heaven. But we spend a whole lot of anxiety and worry in here, right? This is where anxiety lives. This is where worry kind of dwells, right? All in that period. And so I, I asked myself when I, when I got in this text, is this how it's supposed to be? Are we supposed to live in our minds here or something else, right? And, and so we go to the owner's manual, right? We go to God's word, and, I, and this is where I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look into the text. Because I think you'll agree with me that we're doing this wrong. We're, we're, there, there's a reason we're anxious. There's a reason we have worry. And, and I think it has something to do with where we spend our, our mind time, right? All right, so Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. This is Jesus talking. He said to his disciples, therefore, pause. What do we say about therefore? What's the therefore, therefore, Right? So we'll come back to that. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and body more than clothing. So I don't know that we can go much further with that, much further in that without backing up to verse 13 to kind of set the stage of why that therefore is there for. So verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I mean, that doesn't happen still in 2024, right? Nobody argues about inheritances anymore. That, that's like old. And, yeah, it doesn't apply to us, right? Baloney. But he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. That's a whole sermon all in its own. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. He had a good farming year, maybe a, maybe a bunch of good farming years, right? Uh, he thought to himself, what shall I do? For now I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build larger ones. And there I'll be able to store all my grain, my goods. Um, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night... Your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up for tre- treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, I, I humbly ask that you not let me, my nervousness, um, any pride or any performance get in the way, Father, but your word be spoken to your people here this morning, God. I pray that we would see your goodness your sovereignty, and your control over everything, and then that would give us rest, Father. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're typically worried about, about these days in the middle, right? 
Um, let, let's set some context of, of the time that, uh, that they're in, right? So, so Jesus is probably, he's somewhere in his, his three-year ministry, right? We know, uh, I'm, I'm guessing just based on what I read before uh, the, uh, the 12 chapters in Luke and then what's after, I would guess that he's probably on the second half of his ministry. But we, we, we don't have time. There's probably a Bible, Bible scholar out there that could say, yeah, it was, you know, it was a, uh, the, the second year, the third month, and the second week that he, that he said this thing. I didn't go that far. I didn't have that much time, right? But I think he's in the second half of his ministry. We do know one thing. He knew what was coming. Because if you go back a few chapters, he's already told his disciples, I'm going to be given up, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be raised again in three days, right? So, so we do know that when Jesus is telling his disciples, don't be anxious, Jesus knows, for him, something imminent in this period. I don't know if we know if Jesus knew it was going to be three years. I, I, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it matters, right? But he did know my death is imminent. I'm pretty sure he knew the Old Testament well enough to know how his death was coming. Piercing, uh, poked in the side, looking at what the Romans were doing. He's probably thinking, I'm about to be crucified, right? We, Jesus was, was pretty smart, even, even just his human side. So he's already told his disciples, we can, we, can, we can assume he knows how and he knows what's coming. Um, the time, let's talk about the time they were living in, right? Who was actually in control of Israel, Jerusalem? Who was the occupying nation? It was the Romans, right? Um, they're worried about, they're probably dealing with an injustice in a two-tier system. One justice system for the Romans, one justice system for the Jews. It's kind of their history, right? Uh, they're dealing with poverty, uh, struggle to make ends meet. In fact, when we encounter Peter first in the Bible, he's been fishing all night and he can't find, he can't, he's had a bad day at work. He can't get any fish, right? Uh, worried about health. We know that's an issue because when Jesus started his ministry, one of the biggest things he did was heal. There were sick people all around, right? Health issues is not something new to our generation. Uh, corruption in the government. I mean, you want to talk corruption, talk Herod, right? Corrupt. Uh, loss of their culture, probably seeing all their, their, their Jewish beliefs and traditions being uh, uh, impacted by, by Roman things, by Greek things, false gods. This all sounds pretty familiar, right? This, this is what's going on in their time, but in about 2,000 years, not much has really changed when we talk about what you can be anxious about. Jesus, the human living, uh, the human living at that time knew his disciples needed this. And I say that Jesus, the divine God, knew that all of us were going to need what he was telling in this parable, right? So in this parable of the rich fool, he reveals a heart issue. And you've got to remember, Jesus always dealt with issues of the heart, right? He said, you've heard the commandments say this. I say, if the sin is committed on your heart, you've committed the sin, right? He goes right to the heart all the time. So, so let's look at some things that, that Jesus identifies is wrong and examine ourselves to see if maybe we've got a trust issue with our Heavenly Father. All right, so to do this, I want you to flip back in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to get a different perspective on the same passage or the same, uh, the same story. Luke was a, uh, known to be a doctor. Matthew was what? Anybody know? Not Josh. Anybody besides Josh? Tax collector, right. Yeah, he was a tax collector. 
Good job, Josh. Um, I, I think that's interesting because we're, we're talking about owning possessions, and both of these are written from the viewpoint of people who in their time would have been considered wealthy, a doctor and a tax collector, right? And so it, it's neat that God uses them to talk about things that, uh, that maybe make us anxious, right? Um, so Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question I want to ask you is what do you really treasure? And I, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. This is not going to be a sermon on you've got too much stuff and sell. That's not where I'm going with this. Th that's why I think Jesus specifically used somebody like Matthew and Luke to, to hit on this topic. What I want to ask you, and I, I, I want to ask you in a way that, that doesn't try to inspire some false conviction, but really causes you to look introspectively into your heart and say, what do I really treasure. I'm not trying to get you to convict and, and fill, fill the uh, altar here with knees, but I just want you to ask yourself, what do you really treasure? What do we think the rich fool treasured? Maybe wealth, maybe prestige, maybe notoriety, maybe security. Maybe he was worried about all this. I mean, I mean he could have sold that grain and made a huge profit. Right? He could have gave it away. He could have done so many other things, but he just stored it up. I, I think he was worried about this, this middle zone. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I better be prepared. And in, in those big giant silos of grain, he's thinking, can't harm me. I got, you know, storm takes a, a silo out. I got three more. I think I'm okay. He found his security, his safety in his possessions, not in something else. Would you say his treasure was eternal or temporary? That's what we call a rhetorical question, right? Obviously temporary. I hope my mom doesn't mind me telling this story. My mother is uh, in Atlanta. Uh, she's living with my brother. She was helping them raise their uh, youngest. Uh, my brother is a uh, pilot for the Atlanta Police Department, and he works shift hours. My sister-in-law is a nurse, also works shift hours, so... Having a, a, a newborn to three-year-old is tough, and so my mom went up there to live with them. They're ready now uh, for her to come back. She's ready to come back home, and so we're in the process of finding her a house. And my dad passed away in 2014, left her a little bit uh, just from some life insurance. She's got enough to get by and, and live the rest of her life out, right? Somewhere in this question mark. Um, don't know when that's going to be, but, but, but I, I'm comfortable she's got enough. And, and this is the part I hope she doesn't mind me telling you. Uh, and if you know my mom, my mom's a godly woman. Uh, but she's human. She's human, right? And, and she has confided in me and my brother and my sister that uh, I, I really want to leave you guys something. Like, I, I don't want to get to the end and, and all you have is, you know, just nothing. And, and I stopped her and I said, Mom, like... The, the legacy of salvation that you left in me, my sister, and my brother, plays over here. Who cares? 
Like, who cares? I mean, if you left us with no debt, that's a win. If, if there's a house, like, who cares? Like, like, the, like what my mother has, has given me, and, and, and I didn't inherit my salvation from my mother, but she led me, she showed me, she, she witnessed to me, right? She, she shared the gospel with me. She made sure I was in church hearing it, right? Are your values temporary or eternal? We have to make sure we, we, we value what really matters. So, so a couple things we got wrong. We won't use that one. And I'm sorry in the back if you can't see this. We talked about this a little bit. We value the wrong things. Number two, we're focused on the wrong time. And I asked you all earlier, is anybody anxious about today? I didn't either. You're too shy to raise your hand or you're just like, I, there's not really anything anxious today, right? You've started the message. The awkward part's over. We're okay now, right? Uh, but but I, would, I, would, I would suspect that as we go into this time, there's some things to be anxious about, right? Some of those things we mentioned, uh, whether they be health, finances, job security, the direction of our country, whatever. There's some things that, that, that could make you be anxious, right? So... I can find plenty of passages, I can find plenty of times that Jesus and that God gives wisdom in his word about here and here. I don't find anything about him saying, hey, you got to get this whole middle ground taken care of. Like, you got you to get your ducks in a row. You got to have this. So, so let, let's look at that a little bit, right? Um, our health, our jobs, all, all this giant area that we literally have zero control over. And, and that's where we spend all of our time, right? Could I die here? I probably will. <laughs> not mortal. I mean, I'm not immortal. I'm mortal, right? I, I, there is a chance Christ could come in there, but for the most part, I'm expecting I could die in there, right? Could I die right there? Yeah, there was a couple years. I don't, Josh, I don't know if you were at the point. Uh, Miles, you might have been there, and a couple of you might have been there. A guy was giving a message had a heart attack on stage. I was sitting right over there at that, at that sanctuary, and he's just, he's just standing there, and he just froze, and then just, boom, hit the ground. Now, now he lived, and that's just a object lesson, God. We don't need to, like, do that right now. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, I mean, I could literally die right now, but I'm not really worried about that. I'm more worried about dying in this time, right? Uh, let's go over, I want, you guys don't have to turn there, you can if you want, Matthew 6.34, actually if you're still in Matthew you should be right there. Jesus said as a follow up to this, pardon that, I'm going to back up to 25, therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, this is again Matthew's version of what we read in Luke, you will put on, life is, is not life more than food, the body more than clothing, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And here's a key right here. Oh, you of little faith. You feel him talking to you like I feel him talking to me. Oh, you of little faith. I think I'm going to get to heaven. I hope he, I hear him say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm afraid he might say, but you got some little faith. You barely made it in, right? Just enough to get you in here. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then finally, 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God equips us for the day on the day. It's, it's, it's manna, right? You guys remember the story in the Old Testament? The Israelites had left uh, Egypt. God pulled them out of Egypt, and they got, they got no, literally no food, right? There, there was not a, uh, a gas station where they could get some fried chicken. There was nothing. They literally had no food, and every day God would provide manna. And, and there were some guidelines on that manna. They couldn't store it up. It was bad the next day. They had to wait for the next day to see if God would provide again the manna, right? This is our daily bread. We can't store it up. We have to have faith that it's coming again tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know in, in today's modern computers. I know when, when I grew up uh, uh, just first learning computers, um, I took scientri- Scientific Fortran 77. The 77 means that that programming was created in 1977, right? That's what I took in college. But you guys know RAM versus ROM? Heard of that, right? Random access memory versus read-only memory, right? Well, read-only memory is your hard drive. That's your, your gigabyte of space that keeps all your pictures and your documents and Excel projects and all that kind of stuff. Your random access memory is the stuff that kind of is running the programs that are running, right? And uh, I feel like, well, let, let me tell you a little story. I was helping, uh, this was years ago, I was helping a member of our family uh, on, who was having some computer problems um, I won't tell you which one because I don't want to embarrass them, but I'm pretty sure it was before we had kids. And they were, I went to the computer, and uh, the computer's going really, really slow. Like, like you open up something, and it just takes forever for the application to open, right? And, uh, and I look down, and uh, the uh, one, there's like six different programs open. There's two versions of that program open. There's like 40 internet browsers open. And, and, and the computer's just screaming, saying, I got no more RAM. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm loaded up. You got to shut me down, flush the RAM, and, and start over, right? I, I feel like we overload our daily RAM with all this junk, right? We're sitting here spending all this time, and, and, and then we, we, we get to a point we can't function. And I'll talk about the, the problem with not being able to function later, right? Spending all this time worrying about this, on that day, when, when God says, today, the, the, the struggles for today are sufficient for today. He equips us for the day on the day. Today is finite. It has a knowable ending. I don't know where my end is here. But I know at 1159 and 59 seconds, today is over. Right? I know that for pretty much certainty, the world's going to continue to spin around. Right? I'm going to get a new sunrise at some point. Right? I, I, I think 
that God purposely designed us physically, mentally, and emotionally to match that because, because he doesn't design anything by accident. And when he's telling us that today is sufficient, worry about today, don't waste your time here, I think we should listen, right? Uh, Matthew 6.11 says, give us this day our daily bread. I'm just going to give you a couple verses. Um, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We're to endure today and trust him for tomorrow. Not endure today and panic for tomorrow. We're to endure today and trust him for tomorrow. So, Which, which is a nice segue into the third issue. Do we trust God? Do we really trust him? I think the reason my wife was panicking at the beginning of this service, I would say you trust me until I get on stage. <laughs> it's just that little bit of I don't know what he's going to do, right? Uh, she asked me last night, she said, are you prepared? I said, yes, I have my notes. And she said, do you have any sections where you ad lib? And I said, no. She's like, okay, good. Um, <laughs> that's where I get in trouble, right? No audience interaction. Let's see what God's word says about trusting God, right? The, the, the best uh, way to find out about God and what he says is to, to look into his word. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Psalm 44, 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. What is the result of trusting God? Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit May, you may abound in hope. So the result of trusting God is now this, this replenishment of your hope. Titus 3.8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for good people. Do you remember how I said if we're wasting our time today thinking about this, it takes away our ability to do good works today? The weapon of the devil to say, you can't do that. you got to worry about stuff in the future. We're to trust God and not fear the unknown. Psalm 56, 4 says, In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? You may have heard me give this example. I, I, I love this in, in, in physics and stuff. And I learned this years ago uh, coming out of the uh, air conditioning industry, but but you can't do anything really with cold. All you can do is manipulate heat, right? You, you don't make a room colder. You remove the heat out of the room, right? Your air conditioner at your home, the air passes over your evaporator coil. That evaporator coil pulls the heat out of that coil, transfers it outside to your condensing unit, and expels that heat into the air. So, so cold is only a function of how much heat, right? So people say, hey, Pastor Josh, why do, we, why do we make it so cold in here? We don't make it so cold in here. We remove a lot of heat out of here, 
right? That's all we do, right? That's, that's you just need to change your, your semantics, right? Your, your words, right? It's the same thing with light. I can't come in here in this lighted room and hold up a dark light and put Will Brady in the dark spotlight, like make it dark right around Will. I cannot, the darkness can't do anything that the light doesn't allow it to do. Darkness is simply no light. Less light, more darkness, right? I can go into a dark room with a tiny flashlight and I can dispel the darkness. Darkness has no power over the light. That's physics. Let's get into some Rickology. I surmise I propose to you that anxiety is a function of your trust in God. Where your trust in God abounds, anxiety has to go away. You can't be anxious trusting in God. When your trust in God goes away, pulls back, there's a vacuum now, and the natural filler is to be anxious, to worry. I don't say that to convict, just to, just to help you realize, I, th I, think we, I think we have trust issues. Right? I, never, I never like to call God daddy, but, but I think we got daddy issues with our heavenly father. You know, I, I think we, we say we trust him, but when it comes down to it, maybe we struggle with that a little bit. I think we need to remember when God has been faithful. Put this into our, our, our read-only memory, right? Uh, Psalm 78.7 says, So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Um, those on the admin team have heard me say this many times. The, the amazing things that God did to get this church where it is. Uh, I, I, at the same time, we were, we were planting this church, physically refurbishing it, building its members, doing a refurbishment at the other campus, and paying off debt all at the same time. I mean, God made that happen. He just did it. And, and I told, I've told the admin team, I've told friends that, that we need to have an altar that says, hey, remember, that, so that the next time we feel like God's asking us to do something big, we can go to that altar and say, hey, uh-uh, he did it last time. If we feel he's calling us to do this, we need to trust him and do it, right? Um, our trust will be vindicated one day. I like vindication, right? <clears throat> Isaiah 25, 9 says, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And then finally, trusting God is our salvation. Romans 4, 5, and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith, his trust is counted as righteousness. I know we all say, and we would all agree, that, that we trust God with our eternal soul. I don't think we, ha we have a problem admitting, agreeing that we trust him over here. We struggle trusting him with this big unknown. And God says, hey, I, you don't need to worry about that. I got that. You need to focus on this and make sure that's where it needs to be, right? All right, so, so we've identified the issue. What's wrong? We need to adjust. How do we adjust it? I'm glad you asked. Um, I am going to start a meeting group. For all of us who are stressed, anxious, and depressed. Well, I was going to until I figured out that that was sad and nobody would come to my sad meeting. So I thought, well, I'll just make it a 
secret organization, but then that would be so sad. Um, now, I've got three things to help you. And, and what I love about this is this coincides with, with, with what Josh, what, what Ben, what Kristen, what, what all of our leaders have been saying about this season of discipleship and growth we're in in our church, right? All right, so number one, we, we got to pray. I'm running out of spots here, right? You have to devote yourself to prayer. You need to ask God to, to realign your values. If you value things that are not eternal, help, ask God to help you remove that value from those things. Ask God to reveal to you where you put too much value in things that are not eternal. Uh, if you're anxious about stuff in here, there, there may be enemies you have to deal with, enemies at work, enemies in, in, in government, wherever, just, just our culture. There's enemies all around. Pray for those enemies. I tell you, one of the, I found in my life, one of the things that helps when I feel I'm literally under attack from another person, and usually, most of the time, thankfully, it's an unbeliever, but, but in some instances, it's been another believer. Praying for them, and, and I'll admit, it's a difficult prayer. <laughs> Not, dear Lord, smite them, right? God, God uh, you know, work in their lives. If there's pain they're going through, I mean, an honest prayer, but it, but it helps change your heart. It helps adjust you. Uh, pray for those that need salvation. If you're worried about uh, your kids and, and, and their relationship with God, give it to God in prayer, right? Salvation is his. Salvation is his. It, it, it's off your chest. And then, and then finally, when you're praying, remember what Jesus said in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will. Align yourself with God's will. Number two, we got to be in God's word. You can't trust him until you're in his word and you understand. You, you get so much benefit from being in God's word, right? I, I just gave you a bunch of verses that remind us or tell us from his word that God is trustworthy. He, he said this, and it's going to happen, right? He gives prophecy. I think sometimes even we, we forget how amazing that's going to be. We don't, we don't understand that it doesn't matter if I die here, 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 here. I wake up there. I mean, I mean, I mean if I get 100 years in this, Somebody give me the math equation that compares that to eternity. It doesn't compare. But again, we spend our, our brain power, our emotional power here and not there. We're reminded that this is not all there is. He's coming back. That's where it's at. It's not in this life. The Holy Spirit strengthens us through his word. Uh, that, that's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit uses to, uh, you know, the Bible talks about his word being our, our food for our spirit, our breath for our spirit, right? We don't need to starve our spirit and then say, well, why am I so worried? You know, it's because you, you, you've not been in God's word. You've not been communing with him. And then, and then finally, the number three, one, two, three, community. We are not meant to handle all this alone. It's why God gave us a church, right? We're not supposed to, 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 to let the struggles of today be enough today by ourselves, right? If you go, if you go back to Luke 
at the end of that, at the, right after the end of the verse, he, he actually calls them a flock. So, so he goes from kind of saying a, a singular, hey, don't be anxious about today, don't worry about today, today's troubles are enough for itself, to say he calls them a flock. And, and I, I think he's saying, hey, you guys are one of many. You're, there, there are other people dealing with the same things you guys are dealing with. I've given you this church, this community to work together, right? We find ways to, to serve on this day, to help people on this day so that they're not worried about this period, right? And, 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 the, and then the times when we when are in our humanity, we, we struggle here. You know, we can go to our friends and say, hey, DJ, don't worry about it. Just picking on you this morning. Uh, focus on the now. Your eternity set. What do you got? What do you got today? And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there there are tasks that we have to do to prepare. Right? I'm talking about anxiety and and worry. Quit wasting our time in that middle period. We see again and again God may be trying to tell us something, right? When he so perfectly coordinates things like this message. I mean, my last message was on prayer. Here we are talking about prayer. You had a message a couple weeks ago on prayer, right? I think these three points, I think I pulled out either from last week's message or the week before. Prayer, God's word, and community, right? So I feel like God is trying to tell us something. Get your prayer life intact. Get into God's word and get involved in your community. And and this community, in your church, be discipled. He already told his disciples, um, oh, I'm sorry, went to the wrong page. Um, sharing our walk and our lives with our brothers and, and sisters in godly community is so vital. Uh, I, even to the point, Chase, I didn't plan, I, you and I didn't talk about this message at all, right? He was going to introduce uh, that new song last week, but the flu got in the way, and there's no way I'm introducing a new song. So, so we had to do it this week, right? The words of that song, just, just, I was looking through them last night. We can take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it, because I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we wouldn't waste our time with an area of our lives that is in your control. God, you give us so many reasons, you give us so many times in your word to, to, to focus on today because I, I, I believe that's, that's how you physically designed us to handle the stress of the day in front of us and then to trust you to equip us, to be there for us, to provide our manna for the next day. God, I pray that we would take a minute and rest, that you care for the ravens, you care for the lilies. And then your only son said, how much more do you care for us? That, that, that's a question invoking an, an, an infinite, infinite, meaning there's no, there is no how much more. It's, it's infinitely more than the ravens and the lilies, yet you take care of them. God, I pray this morning we would begin to trust you to, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in us things that, that we value that are not eternal and to trust you with our children, to trust you with their salvation, to trust you with our money that's not even ours, that's yours anyway, to trust you with our businesses, with our works, with, with our work, with our relationships, Father. 
even trust you with the direction of your church here in Alberta. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that, that it encourages us. It gives us hope. And I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to these people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.